today we have the first part of a two-part episode. Now, we don't do this often, but this was too amazing for one episode, so we split it into two parts so you can get lots of value, but still keep it within the times that we allot. I recorded a session with Gina Riley to talk about the four things that people do to tank their interview. Listen to this episode for the first two, and in our second part, then you'll hear the remaining ones. How many of them are you doing? And if you are doing any of these infractions, then listen for how you can stop doing them because you're not helping yourself and you're not helping interviewers to like you at all. So Gina, welcome to the podcast today. Why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're joining us from? I am joining you from Portland, Oregon, rainy Portland, Oregon. Rainy Portland, Oregon in the great basketball city of Portland, Oregon with the the trailblazers. So You got it. Thanks so much for joining us, Gina. And, you know, we're talking about something that's very, very interesting today. And we're going to pull back the curtain a little bit and let everybody know about some ways that you can tank your interview. And, you know, this is something that I'm excited to talk to you about today, Gina, because I used to do high volume recruiting, right? And I still interview people, but I also do career coaching as well, which is my main focus. And these things that we're going to talk about today are things that can be fixed if people knew what they were looking for. So I'm glad that you're going to be bringing these things up. So first question, Gina, why don't you tell us quickly about your past experience working with people and what it has been like coaching and interviewing people? Yeah, my past experience ranges from over 25 years ago working at Intel Corporation where I was doing high volume hiring, hiring a lot of the engineers that worked on the Pentium processor um, all the way up to today where um, I do conduct some executive searches. And so that's not necessarily high volume. That's high quality, tight candidate pools. Um, but what I've learned over, you know, all these experiences is what people do well in interviews that help them succeed and advance. And I've also seen lots of people make mistakes along the way. And that's what we get to talk about today. And it's great because from your experience, you've seen everything, right? You've interviewed the people with the high volume recruiting as well as the upper levels, the higher levels in the C-suite. So it's great that you're the perfect person to be talking to about this today. So let's dive right into it. This right. is going to be fun, Gina. <laughs> so let's start off with the first mistake that people make, and that is rambling. So why don't you tell us quickly, what, what, do, you, what do we mean by rambling in an interview? Yes, the worst mistake that you can make in an interview is rambling or not being succinct with your storytelling. And some of that plays back to um, not being prepared, which we're going to also talk about. But part of it is emotional intelligence or your ability to read the room and to really engage with the person that's interviewing you to kind of take cues on whether or not they're paying attention and that they're with you. Um, the reason why rambling is a huge issue for you as a candidate is people's brains shut off. They go to sleep. Um, we all know that people have short attention spans. And so we need to capture people's attention and answer those questions as it's relevant to the job that you're applying for and keep them engaged and then checking in with them to make sure that you're answering the right kinds of things that they're looking for. 
And Gina, this is easily the worst one for me. For me, I, what's your time that you pay attention for? I like people to keep it to around two, three minutes, depending on the question, of course. But where do you think that uh, most recruiters would uh, start to tune out? <laughs> um, I think that two minutes is a really decent um, marker for most people. At the leadership and executive levels, the story may be a little more complex for example, I worked with a technology leader of a major global operation, and so he had to, to um, separate a couple of things that were happening within his stories. He was facing technical challenges in his IT world, and he also had leadership challenges that he had to kind of pull apart and say, here's the technology issues that my team had to address. And then these are the leadership things I had to do to overcome some of these challenges. I had, you know, some people who worked for me that didn't have the skills or I had cross-functional partners who, um, you know, weren't on board and I had to go influence them. So when you have very complex stories to tell, you need to be prepared to tell them in ways that take that interviewer on a journey with you. But you got to do it with some fluidity and you need to stick the landing by explaining the result that you got. And that, that makes sense. And I, I totally get it. And it really depends on, I guess, the position. It also depends on the kind of job that you are interviewing for, maybe even the company. Now, I like what you said about reading the room. And that's very important because I was speaking with somebody before a recruiter. And then he said uh, he asked the question, tell me about yourself. Right. Pretty general. <laughs> tell me about yourself. This one person went on for 20 minutes about themselves. <laughs> and I asked him, I said, well, why didn't you stop him? And the the recruiter said, well, you know, I wanted to see if he could read the room, if he could really see on our faces how bored we were. Like for yourself, if somebody was to keep going and going and going, how would would you jump in and stop them? Or are you the type that would let them continue? You know what, Michael? I think I was the one that told you that story. Was <laughs> it you? Okay. Maybe I've heard it. I want to say this was like somebody from episode, I think it was 35 or something. <laughs> but you know what? Here's, and this just shows how common this is. Because I'm sure that like there's been lots of people that have had this situation go on before. Because I know that this happened. Maybe it hasn't been 20 minutes that somebody's been talking, but... I'll tell you, it, it felt like 20 minutes, maybe even if it was maybe only five minutes. So I guess what would what would you have said? What would you have done? So or what did you do? Yes, I can tell you exactly what I did. So this was for a CEO level role. And in this particular situation, I was explaining to each candidate right up front in the first five minutes after the high get to know you, I'm Gina and you're so and so. What I would say is I have eight questions that are skill based that I need to get through in the next hour. Um, and so I need your help to monitor that time so I can get in as many questions as possible so I can adequately assess your skills and whether or not, you know, we should be moving you forward. The first question I have for you before we get to it is, you know, I'd like to just understand a little bit about you. Can you tell me a little something about yourself? And please do this within, you know, a five minute window. 
Well, one of the candidates did talk for 20 minutes. And the reason why I did not stop him is it, it exactly to your point, it showed me that person's self-awareness, emotional intelligence. He did not read the room um, and he did not manage the time. So if that person was to advance and actually get that CEO job of a couple hundred person organization, how are they going to behave on the job if they can't read the room in a one hour interview with with an experienced executive search consultant? And it's interesting because you mentioned that you even told him do it within five minutes and they still yep. went on and on. They they didn't even follow instructions. Right. <laughs> you know what? It might have been you who told me that story, but <laughs> I'm sure I've heard it a couple times. That is it's such one of a like good story, those, uh, Urban legends. That <laughs> it grows and grows and becomes every everyone's story. <laughs> oh. So how, uh, Gina? Why don't you tell me how would you advise somebody to uh, fix this, like to not ramble, or how would they be more aware of the room and know when to stop? My top tip is to check in with your interviewer. So, you know, you have your prepared stories, you're you're explaining how you might tackle a certain kind of situation or problem, and then you kind of close it down and say, hey, is this, am I heading in the right direction? Is this the kind of thing that you're hoping that I was sharing with you? Or or do you want me to, to, do you want to steer me in a different direction so you get what you need? It's all about being in service, too, of the interviewer, because they're there for a reason. They're trying to uncover something from you. So check in. That's good. I like that. Check in. And lots of people think, you know, I can't ask these questions to the interviewer. Let's say that somebody thinks they're rambling and they said they say to you, am I answering this correctly? Is that what you are uh, looking for from this question? What would you think if they said that to you? If a person checked in with me and asked if they were heading in the right direction, I, I would either confirm that they were, yes, I'm getting what I need, thank you, or I might say, that's a great story. However, I need to know a little more about this, and I would explain what I was going after so they could do some redirection. And that's good, right? Because, as you said, the interviewer is there to get the right things out of you. And some people might think that, if they were to ask that, then they might be losing points or they might be falling out of favor with the interviewer. So keep in mind that it is okay to check in with the interviewer and make sure that you are on the right path. Yes, you, the most important thing really to remember is an interview is a conversation between two or more people to uncover and learn things about each other to see if there's a match about the job. That's perfect. I couldn't have said it any better. So why don't we jump to number two? And this is not being prepared. So the number two mistake is not being prepared. So Gina, why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, what that means to not be prepared? Yes. So why do people ramble? Well, it could be emotional intelligence and not reading the room, but it also might be they're really not prepared to tell their stories and how what they've done in the past, you know, ties to the, that future role that they're targeting. And so one way to overcome not being prepared is using a framework or methodology and pre, you know, pre-typing out even those stories, maybe even speak them out loud to someone. I personally like to use the SOAR method. There's multiple frameworks. There's CAR, PAR, and STAR. I use SOAR, S-O-A-R. It stands for situation, obstacles, actions, and results. 
The reason why I like this method is because of the O or the obstacles. So the situation is is initially that context of why you're telling the story. Briefly, in, a, in 30 seconds, explain, here's the situation. Here's what was happening. The second thing you're going to do is explain why it was a challenge. Those are the obstacles. Maybe it wasn't super hard, but explain why you're telling that story. The third thing is actions. What actions did you take in this scenario? Now, a lot of times leaders have a challenging time talking about the actions they took. They don't want to be um, they they want to be humble. And so they say we did this and we did that. So when you're talking about your actions and you are a leader, explain what you did in your leadership role and then what your team did. And then you stick the landing with the R results. What did you all deliver on? What was the outcome? These are the things that typically you can have that are quantifiable or measurable. Did something increase or decrease? We increased our customer base. We decreased complaints by a certain percentage. We, you know, things like that, where you're thinking dollar signs, percentage signs, um, number signs. And you hit a very important point there with the I versus we. Because there's lots of people, they, they, as you mentioned, they like to be humble. They say, oh, we did this, me and my team did this. But in the end, the recruiters are not interviewing your team, right? They're interviewing you. So I like what you said about how you need to talk about what the results were. You know, what was your role in the whole task? Soar, situation, obstacle, action, and results. Yes, prepare your top like five to 10 stories as it relates to the results you've had in your career history that relates to the target job. There you have it. There's the first two ways that you can tank your interview. One, rambling. And I mentioned that this is number one for a reason because I, along with many other interviewers, do not enjoy it at all all if somebody keeps rambling and number two not being prepared tune into the next episode when we talk about two more things that people do to tank their interview thanks so much everyone for listening and make sure you subscribe on spotify apple podcasts or anywhere that you get your episodes